Everybody needs just the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning. For some, a nice McDonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it. Others might prefer a McDonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel. Or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel. And there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, hello there, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. This is episode 35, take two. Uh, because, yeah, last week we didn't have an episode, sorry about that. We did record one, um, even though Skype did not want us to. Uh, we then tried taking it to Google Hangouts for the first time, and something went a bit wrong with the file at the end, so we couldn't put it out. So, sorry about that. Uh, that episode is lost to the ether, and that's it. Um, so, this is episode 35, take two. Um, and this week it is just me, Chris, and I'm joined by Dan. Hello, Dan. Hi, Chris. Yeah, it's a brick cast this week. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a man cast because um, unfortunately Rachel can't be with us. She's not feeling very well, and Avon's being all fancy in that at Tribeca Film Festival. So, yeah, you know. Oh, oh yeah. Well, we're jealous about that. So. Yeah, her, her life is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> she's always doing fancy things. As well, she might. She's awesome. Um, so this week it's going to be a bit of a just general catch-up episode because it's actually quite a long time since we've done news or what we've been watching. Well, actually it was last week, but you didn't hear it, so <laughs> uh, we're redoing it, really. Um, so yeah, Dan, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, Chris. I'm good. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm. I was talking about the weather, it seems, but it's it's like it's it's in the last like couple of years it's really had a big effect on like my mood and everything and now it's like spring i'm i'm definitely a lot more chipper and that, yeah that happened this week spring it just happened yeah so yeah i decided to suddenly suddenly be sunny at lunchtime and then i was out for 20 minutes and then I had to go back inside and <laughs> as the sun sort of taunted me through the mm. window but um yeah i'm good thanks yeah um i've uh i went out this week and i saw the jungle book uh-huh. Uh the new Disney live actionification of one of their beloved properties, uh directed by John Favreau. And um that's pretty much what I've been watching, but I guess we'll we'll uh, we'll get into that in, in a little bit. <laughs> okay. That will segue into the news. Um in that this week it the CinemaCon happened in Las Vegas, which is a convention for exhibitors i believe um but also lots of film journalists and stuff go along as well because there's presentations about upcoming slates and things um and warner brothers were there and they had a warner animation group presentation and among stuff about the lego um batman movie and other lego animated movies and storks which is coming out they apparently showed some concept art from the new scooby-doo movie that we talked about ages ago, like back in the summer or something I think because um, I remember you said, hey, the kids watch Scooby-Doo today and everyone else said yes, 
<laughs> yes, of course they do. Yeah. The kids have never stopped watching Scooby Doo, even even if there's a new version every so often. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, what's the, what's the most recent one is is Mystery Incorporated? Is it or has it been a more recent? No, the one be cool, be cool, Scooby Doo is the be latest cool, one. Scooby Doo and let us change everyone's eyes <laughs> for, for for a freaky sort of effect. The new movie is going to be called Scoob, S C O O B, like as an acronym, apparently. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what it stands for, uh, but it's Scoob, and it is apparently potentially going to be the first part of an interlocking Hanna Barbera cinematic universe, because everything has to have a cinematic universe now. And Warner Brothers want as many as they can have. They've got DC, they've got Lego, they've got Harry Potter. Now they're going to have Hanna Barbera. <laughs> it's, does this news fill you with joy, Dan? Well, it's it's not. It's weird. It's 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 funny that they've sort of taken the cinematic universe. Um, that phrase is just thrown about so much now, and. They've done, like, crossovers before, of course. You know, we all remember, like, Flintstones, Meet the Jetsons. And uh, crossovers are not something that's new to um, Hanna-Barbera. So it seems a bit funny that they returned to an idea which wasn't massively successful or beloved, like, um, in the the first couple of... uh, iterations um it it depends i mean does it does this mean that they're going to be um cg animated or or what i don't really understand the full extent of the plan is it are they straight to dvd movies or, or... No, no this is going to be full blow i think real fx are doing the um animation on it uh they did mm-hmm. they did um uh Book of Life and some other things. Um, as far as I know, because none of the pictures have been released online, but I think it's going to be full CG. Um, we don't really know much right. about it, but yeah, like you said, there's actually a bit of a history of Hanna Barbera crossovers because they used to be. I remember when I was growing up, there was a bunch of different series, Yogi Bear, and um, like it also had Huckleberry Hound and. Mm. Um, there was Yogi's Treasure Hunt, uh, which I used to like, and then there was one in space, I think, <laughs> Space Race or something, um, and Wacky Races is kind. Of, did some of the characters from that come from something else first? It was kind of a crossover. Well, I think they had Catch a Pigeon first, and then Dastly and Muttley were in Wacky, Wacky Races, all the other way around. This story basically. Mm-hmm. Does come down to the fact that if we get a, a wacky races movie, I'm down with it. I'm down with the whole thing. It's all it's all good. Yeah. If we get that, yeah. then I'm good. Because <laughs> I would like that. <laughs> to be honest, it's 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 tricky. I mean, like Warner. I think Warner Animation like had a bit of a um, what's the word? Uh, you know, they they had a lot of success with the Lego Movie. So, if they're sort of following filmmaking in that same route where they have a property, 
but they give you know the full creative um control that's needed to you know get the best story out of that property um then it's not necessarily a a, a bad or you know completely uninteresting thing it seems like a bit of an overreaction to the success of lego movie they went hey lego movie was popular <laughs> what we need now is 10 different lego movies hey hey how about one sequel maybe see mm-hmm. how that goes <laughs> although you know i'm much more excited about lego batman movie than um lego movie sequel to be honest <laughs> yeah well this this is this is the weird sort of like trend of like as as you said like you ha- it seems like studios have one movie that's a success and then they decide okay that was a success let's have 10 more of them <laughs> Um, rather than, you know, let's recreate the conditions mm-hmm. that allowed for that process to happen and, you know, for the movie to be creatively, like, fulfilling and successful people, in as far as it being made. <laughs> people forget in that the one example of a cinematic universe that exists mm-hmm. that was successful, mm-hmm. they took their time to build it up. They started with one movie. They yeah. took a gamble on one movie. It was successful. They then mm-hmm. went from there, built it up. It was a massive gamble, and it's paid off a lot. They have all the money in the world, but it was a big gamble. Whereas mm. with like with like um, DC, they went. Man of Steel was slightly successful, but not that successful. Let's build a whole universe on it. <laughs> Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, like the reason Iron Man's so good because it's cause, because it's a standalone thing that people were just like interested in these new sort of superhero movies, and then they had the Incredible Hulk, which would did okay, but didn't necessarily try to. They had, I think, Nick Fury was at the end of the Incredible Hulk, was he? I think maybe Nick Fury was at the end of Iron Man, and then um, mm-hmm. I think Tony Stark was at the end of. Incredible Hulk. Right, right. Okay. Well, let's 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 not get get into that too much. But, no. Um, sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I mean, like, I guess if the new Scooby Doo movie is like appealing in and of itself, then mm-hmm. that's fine. But what gets a little bit tiring is when you're watching a movie and I I, I felt like it happened in the last um, Marvel movie I saw, which was Age of Ultron where it was like, oh, okay, you're putting in adverts for a thing which is coming up rather than actually letting me watch and enjoy the current thing which is good Mm -hmm. uh, or trying to be good. And I think that's kind of what the Lego movie did really well. It was just its own story and, you know, that's what what gets audiences, uh, you know, going back to to the cinema, I think. Anyway... um, it's kind of hard to say without anything existing apart from this announcement, really. Well, at the moment, the um, the director and writer team are not people that will make you go, oh, yeah, I have to watch this movie now uh, because um, they have not had a lot. Of, well, they've one of them's had not much experience and one of them has had experience, but it's not particularly <laughs> encouraging. Uh, they are... Here we go. 
Yes, we have um, Tony Savoni, I think, or Savone. <laughs> it sounds better if we say Savoni, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tony, if I'm completely mangling your name. Um, he's going to direct it. Uh, and Matt Lieberman is doing the screenplay. Matt Lieberman uh, has written... One of, the de- one of the screenplays he's written was for a reboot of Short Circuit that hasn't been made yet. <laughs> and... Um, mm-hmm. The director has basically done a bunch of like straight to video, straight to DVD Warner Brothers movies in the vein of sort of Scooby Doo meets. He, he seems he seems like yeah he's he's a Warner Brothers like in house vet. Yeah, he, he he worked on you know the Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain and Sylvester and Tweety Mysteries, all the way up to you know the new. Flintstones WWE <laughs> movie, straight to straight to Netflix or whatever it was thing. Um, yeah, it's safe safe bets probably, <laughs> but that's uh, you know that's how they that's how they have to proceed. I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's really it's really hard to uh, to say at this point, really. Although apparently the Warner Animation Group has got its own brain trust thing in a Pixar vein uh-huh. and and it includes Phil Lord and Chris Miller so if if they're overseeing more animated movies then that's good uh-huh. although they're super super busy <laughs> so how much they will actually be able to do I'm not sure because they're not they're not directing the Lego movie sequel um right and that's um that's uh Rob Shrub. Yes. He yeah. d- he worked on Community, didn't he? Is that right? He worked, he worked on Community. He wrote um, Monster House with Dan Harmon. That's a good movie. And he's a funny, funny guy. So, uh, so, yeah. And, yes, and they are going to... Lord and Miller are going to do the Young Han Solo movie, so they're going to be mm-hmm. busy over at well, Disney for a while. Yeah, and they've like they've signed on to do like a serial TV show like based on the podcast. But oh, have they? Yeah, I, I think I think with people with people like them, they seem incredibly busy because all these things get announced at the same time. But you know, they probably come one after the other, and they probably do have time to, you know, I don't know, really, really, um, you know. Mm-hmm. To do the brain trust properly, basically, I hope. Did you catch the uh, Lego Batman movie trailers, by the way, that came out the other week? They came out two in a week. They came out eight months ago. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I'm. So I wasn't a fan of Man of Steel or Zack Snyder in general. So yeah. Batman versus Batman, very Superman, uh, as some people call it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, doesn't really interest me in the slightest. You'll be surprised to hear I am in the same boat. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, the Lego Batman movie looks like the thing that I want to see, uh, you know, with regards to Batman. Something lighter and funnier and actually daring to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, all like, it's all like a more heightened tongue-in-cheek version of the Joel Schumacher films. Well, it, it's in a lot of ways, it's doing the the Nolan thing because it's all about darkness, 
no parents. It's kind of, it's mainly sort of riffing on the, the over the top darkness of it, but making light of that, which yeah. is what's great yeah. about it. Yeah, and, it's and the good. and the cast is good. They've got like Michael Sarah as uh, as Robin. That's so the, perfect. I mean, exactly, and the Joker as. Um, the Joker being played by Zach Galifianakis. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, um, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. And the cool thing is that because it's an animated movie, they've really gone. It, it's it's the most fantastical version of the Batcave or Wayne Manor I think you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's really super decadent, and um, that just makes it even more funny to me. And we've also got a better much better casting for Alfred because Ralph Fiennes is Alfred right right. I, I just feel like Jeremy Irons as Alfred is just like hey who's British who's British do we know anyone who's British who hasn't played Alfred yet hey <laughs> he'll do the evil lion guy I could I could you know I if, if I if I had to watch the film uh Batman very Superman, that is. Uh, I probably think that Jeremy Irons might be the part that annoys me least. I could, I could imagine that being the case, but but given the fact that I'm not going to see it, I'm, I'm going to have to continue just imagining. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that is going to be good, and it's going to come out next February. <laughs> and that's the same slot that um, the original Lego movie had. Yes. Uh, right. Sort of, for us, I guess, February half term. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a good time to release a movie. Yeah, it's definitely they are putting things out more spread out. Like, um, think how much money Zootopia slash Zootropolis made, and that came out in March. That's not... It wasn't even, mm. like, it wasn't even Easter. Not in America, anyway. It was, like, the 4th of March or something. Mm. And it, it made all the money, so... There you go. Um, okay, moving on to some more news, and that is that David Fincher's adaptation of The Goon could finally be happening. Because uh, a few years ago, David Fincher uh, was interested in making an animated movie based on a comic called The Goon um, that was going to be a more an older skewing animation uh they were going for a PG-13 rating, not R rating, but PG-13, um, and they put out a concept video that had the voices of um, Paul Giamatti and Clancy Brown, I think, uh, and it was very cool. And they also did a, um, they also did a Kickstarter, uh, which they used to make a feature-length animatic to try and ship it around studios, but so far they hadn't had much luck. And people thought it might be dead because you haven't heard about it for years. But the funny thing is, the guy who was going to direct this was um, a fellow by the name of Tim Miller, who's had quite a good year so far because he directed a little movie called Deadpool. The Deadpool that became the biggest R rated oh, movie in history. Oh, really? Yes. He He's from an animation background, which has been mentioned hmm. before. And he's from Blur Studios and. He's done like animated sequences and different. I think he did animated sequences of some games and things like that. Um, mm. And he was gonna, it was, he was gonna be like the um, he was gonna be the Duke Johnson to David Fincher's 
Charlie Kaufman, <laughs> if you will. Uh, and suddenly, Tim Miller has got a bit more clout in the Hollywoods. Because mm. he made a film that made all the money. So people are like, hey, what do you want to do next? And possibly he's they're talking about bringing the goon back, which would be very interesting. That is. Because, I mean, I haven't seen Deadpool, but it seems like the effect it's had is that it's been a crowd pleaser and it's been very funny and entertaining. And if he can prove his chops with regard to that, that's pretty... I mean, that for me, with the, with the goon, like, th- that was kind of my thing with the teaser that they made. It was fine, and it was it looked amazing, and it was quite funny, but the question is, like, you know, does that then necessarily translate to 90 minutes? Mm-hmm. But David Fincher being attached as well is another sort of indicator. That... Yeah, yeah, he's been attached for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, ever since, like, it I remember it being like one of the first things I was really aware of, like on Kickstarter, yeah. a few years ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was one of the first big, like, mm. film ones, anyway. So, 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 what exactly is the development that's happened? Has 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 uh, has Tim Miller like said that it's going ahead or anything like that? Uh, well, he's said that, um, like in an interview, that. Um, there's been more talks since Deadpool's come out, basically, and that they are doing some more work on the animatic. Um, okay. Okay. And that, and that they have been talking to a big name Hollywood person star, but I don't know who. <laughs> Could it be Ryan Reynolds? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, do, do you know what I was? I'm 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 thinking, given on how well a Sausage Party does. Hmm. Yeah, that, that could be a factor in this getting getting made, I think. But the thing is, this is going for PG thirteen rather than R rated, and this is the area that I've I wrote an article a while ago called um, "Does Hollywood Animation Need to Grow Up?" and my um, the thing that I said was about basically making like animated PG thirteen movies or PG movies rather than G movies or whatever. And I wasn't saying, hey, let's have lots of R-rated movies. Let's just have things that are yeah. a bit older, just not quite so kiddy or whatever. And um, this is the kind of thing I was talking about. So, mm. Yeah, I think uh, now might be a good time. It seems like the time is coming round. Like, with stuff like... I think the last big one, which I kind of remember, was Rango, which was really PG. Mm, yeah. Um, and that sort of seemed to put lots of people off because it was—I mean, it was one—it was marketed really badly. Um, but apart from that, I think it's it, the fact that it kind of sold itself on being a grittier thing kind of confused lots of people because it didn't feel like a family movie the way it was sold. Yeah, that is one of the weirdest animated movies that's come out of Hollywood in quite some time. <laughs> It's one of the most unique. It's certainly it's it's. Uh, I don't I don't think it's really. I I couldn't put it in the same like playpen as many other things. It, 
it's just the whole point that it doesn't try and be cute or pretty. It tries mm. to be gross and stuff, which is interesting. I, w- I need to rewatch it sometime. I think I've only seen it once. Uh, did you like it? I did, yeah. I yeah. I must I must have done because I own it. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yes, uh, the goon might be coming back, and that's watch this space. Um, ah, the Cannes Film Festival is happening in May, um, and it has been announced that the Studio Ghibli co-production, The Red Turtle, is going to play at Cannes. Um, it was already, I think, confirmed it was going to play at Cannes, but we now know it's going to play in the Uncertain Regard category, uh, which means it's a competition, basically, um, but in a different category to the just straight-up competition. Um, and this is the film that is being made by Michael Dudok DeWitt. Is that close mm-hmm. enough? Yeah. No, that's uh, spot on. Yep, uh, and yeah. it... It's his first feature. Um, he's done several shorts that have been acclaimed. Um, and Studio Ghibli decided to co-produce the movie with him, uh, with Francis Wild Bunch. And he actually went over to spend some time in Studio Ghibli. And he worked with Isao Takahata, who um, is acting as artistic producer. So it isn't just Ghibli putting money into it. They've been creatively involved. But it's obviously going to be very different from your average anime film by the looks of it. And it's going to show at Cannes for the first time. So, is this exciting? Yeah, it's, it's huge. Because I didn't expect it to... I didn't expect it to play at Cannes because it seems like it was... It seems like a smaller movie, a smaller production. Um, but, yeah, no, exciting exciting stuff uh let's hope it gets picked up for distribution there outside of japan because currently it's only slated to be released uh in japan in september it's got to be coming out of france though surely as well because it's france french japanese co-production so that's got to be i think it will i think it's likely that it will yeah because wild bunch is going to want to yeah release that obviously and (laughs) I think uh, France, uh, you know, having the the Ghibli name would pull, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a, a sizable crowd in. I was they they've released a poster as well, and I was kind of surprised. I thought the Studio Ghibli logo. I thought it was going to be more prominent. <laughs> right. Well, I think that's yeah. That's I think. Uh, uh, a Studio Ghibli thing mm-hmm. to, to well, it's still the on the Japanese poster. It's at the top. There was another poster I saw where it's only in the um, in what they call I think they call it the big print. You know the um, yeah the credits at the bottom of movie posters. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the Japanese poster, it's right up there next to the title of the movie. Uh, it's it's tricky. I think it's probably going to be kind. I I don't I don't know. It's it it seems similar to what they did with Innocence, the mm-hmm. Ghost in the Shell movie, where it was kind of common knowledge that Ghibli was, you know, co-producing it and involved with the production, but it's not a. You won't see it in the Ghibli collection. I don't think. You know, in the in the in the Ghibli box set. 
I would have thought though if it gets released in the West, they're going to play up the connection. Just. <laughs> I think. I mean, yeah. I would. It's you're right because that's the only thing that's really got going for it, other than because no one knows who. I mean, unless you're you know an animation fan and a, and, a, and a fan of you know short independent animation and that, mm-hmm. you're not going to know who Michael the Doctor is. Um. It- so yeah, you're right. It seems like the biggest pull they have is that the, the is the Ghibli connection. It's going to be like those that that raft of Quentin Tarantino presents movies from Hong Kong or China for yeah. a while back. Yeah, I think so. yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, but that's that's fine. I'm I'm just excited because it it seems like a uh an, an interesting project and. Because cause I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Dr. Witt. Um, I've seen, you know, all of his stuff and uh, I, I don't know what it means for him to be working in, in feature because a lot of his sensibilities are um, kind of suit short film in that they're, they're, his films are usually like without dialogue and are quite sort of pantomime and work more like silent movies. Well, this is also going to be without dialogue, um, and it also the plot kind of sounds like a short film type idea. Mm-hmm. In mm. it is apparently there is a man stuck on a desert island, and he tries to escape, and this red turtle keeps stopping him. That doesn't sound like it's necessarily going to be feature length idea, mm-hmm. but that's what kind of fascinates me about it. I think. If anyone can be involved in, and I mean, the fact that Takahata's involved is really encouraging to me, mm-hmm. basically, uh, because he knows his movies. Mm-hmm. It's, it's as simple as that. And uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued and, and quite jealous of anyone who's going to get to see this in Cannes. Mm. Um, also, something that. I discovered this week finding out and wrote up a story on AFA about it was um, about Funimation's release of The Girl Who Let Through Time um, which has been licensed rescued in America and it's going to be released as a Fancy Pants special edition in June All uh, oh, right, and it looks rather pretty it's got a big book with it um, I don't think it's not like a full coffee table book but it looks quite just as a nice extra and it comes with the um with the film on Blu-ray, DVD, and uh, digital as well, and it is being released on the same day that um, *Boy and the Beast* will be released on Blu-ray and DVD, which is June the seventh. So, awesome, awesome. Yeah, I um, I want I want to rewatch *Girl Who Left Time*. I think, I think it's 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 one of those things which is like. Uh, um, deceptively simple, but it's really, really, you know, stuck. It, it, it's one of those like sleeper classics where, you know, it was something I saw like a while ago and it was fine, and then I kept watching it, and then I realized, oh yeah, this is really, really good. And the fact that I keep returning to it is uh, is, is something cool. Uh, and I said when we did our Hasida episode. I said that Go Her Let Free Time is my favourite Hosoda film, so... Yeah, you did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. 
yeah and i think that's that's something that 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 led to me like re reconsidering it because i always for for, for a while i considered it like absolutely fine but sort of like his a real um like fluff his well not fluff i think his most fluff is summer wolves but um the fact that it's like an adaptation and the rest of it like it was very much like a debut sort of film where he was just proving that you know i got this i can do this um but i think it's actually a lot better than that mm-hmm. that's cool though i i i wonder if if, if we're ever going to get such a such a lovely treatment because there was a double disc when the movie came out in the uk that had yeah. a great like making of and had commentary track uh but we haven't had anything else i've got the um the double set of summer wars and um girl who left through time blu-ray and i think it's just based bog standard without anything on it but you got both films uh you can though you can get the uk blu-ray for about five or so what are you gonna do <laughs> right so and it hasn't gone away because it's it has been been unavailable in america for a while because it was bandai and they went out of business in the u.s so mm. there we go um just there are probably a couple of quick stories that we actually covered on the show previously but didn't get released because <laughs> the episode didn't come out but um we thought just worth going over quickly and one of them is the uh the fact that fairly coolly flcl is going to get a continuation on adult swim slash tsunami uh which production ig are working on uh and dan fairly coolly is a particular favorite of his from back in the day so um just wanted to get your opinion on the news oh, yeah um well, it's it it really is it's it's tricky. It's one of those things for me which I I can't really defend it without getting into, as you said, like nostalgia goggles and the fact that it it's it's just something I'm fond of just because. Um, but that said, I think it's it's really unique, and what I do like about it is that it it doesn't feel like other series, and it feels like. You know, not just with the soundtrack from the pillows, but it has this sort of sense of like being more like an album. And it's sometimes it feels like a music video because you've got like this music track and it's got this like odd rhythm to it. And it's got all these pullbacks and meta jokes to, you know, old cartoons and old anime series. And I, I and I think it has some interesting themes going on in the actual story. And it's, and, and and also it's it's like one of the last um well it wasn't one of the last but it was <laughs> the fact that it was also um made for a TV format it was made as a straight to video um animation it's it's got you know the old um 43 4x3 um TV uh screen format mm-hmm. so it's quite sort of nostalgic for me as it is but i i I, I still think it really holds up and um, it's a bit like lightning in a bottle sort of thing and when something is announced 
where they're saying let's let's recapture that (laughs) it's it's um it's hard not to be skeptical uh but it's it's tricky i mean if they if they literally try and revive it i think they're gonna have some trouble um because i don't think it's necessarily the character's or their story which made it good it was the way it was done and the animators that were involved and the directors um and the sort of the shape of the thing uh, mm-hmm. i it's 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 tricky you know i'm i'm thinking if if they do two more series and and the thing that they've announced apparently is going to be focused on a new protagonist um they is 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 it a girl that they Yes, going to be focusing on. Yeah, the young girl this time. But also um, having the alien. Was she called Haruko? I believe so. Mm. Um, Involved. (laughs) It kind of makes me think, like, well, if it's going to be another new thing, then I hope that they really embrace that. And it's going to be a bit like, you know, when Doctor Who came back, it was like, it was Mm -hmm. still Doctor Who because it hit similar beats, but it also was allowed to be its own thing. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of invested in new characters. Um, yeah, that's kind of my 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 own my my only real thoughts on it. Um, I hope that it just has really kick-ass animation because that's the main thing that makes FLCL what it is. I think. Uh, yeah, ran ran over. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's 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 uh, yeah. You know, it's 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 one of those hot potatoes where it could be great, but you just want to, you know, as as a fan, you know, it's how it's how you get when someone says, "Oh, we're going to dig up that thing from the past and uh, and revive it." You're like, "Oh, be gentle with her," <laughs> you know. Um, it's it's strange because some of the, I, I I mentioned this um, I think before, but it, the funny thing is now FLCL itself the series is now as old as some of the series and older anime um, things that the original uh, FLCL was calling back to. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what the new FLCL has made of like the last 15 years of whatever has happened or not in in uh in anime like fandom as as a whole because the sort of the meta um the the, the meta quality of FLCL is is part of its DNA I think mm-hmm. um, but... yeah that's it really I mean what what do you think because you're not so much a uh, uh, evangelical <laughs> sort of FLCL fan. How no, you, no, because take... I only watched it recently. Yeah, um, and I sort of looked at it. Oh, I can see where things happen from here. Kind of, you know, it's like mm-hmm. a bit of a oh, I, I understand this now kind of thing, rather than a particularly a thing where I fell in love with it or anything. It was just. Um, Oh yeah, I I understand. <laughs> um uh but um so I'm I'm really intrigued uh to see what they do with it in the modern age and how time changing will have 
um, affected it. And also, I want to see what the difference having a female main character would do as well. Um, like the change to the dynamics and things. Mm, yeah, um, you're, that's actually very that's that's very true because, like as I was kind of hinting at, the sort of, the whole sort of otaku, uh, like theme running through it was, yeah, was and 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 the fact that it was about male puberty was was kind of relevant. And another thing that I something I heard someone say was um, about FLCL in a way being a sort of equivalent of what Space Dandy was recently which was um, where like Shinichiro Watanabe basically went hey I'm going to ring up all my friends and say hey do you want to do a show and yeah. sort of a, sort of like a jam session of mm-hmm. just everyone just letting their Im- imaginations run riot sort of within a vague frame work but it's yeah. space dandy goes to you know it's, it's a bit of a just crazy go everywhere people just doing what they feel like sort of feel and pe- someone said I, I think i read it on twitter someone said that flcl was kind of like a, you know a version of that back in the day so it'd be interesting if a that's similar true thing... yeah that's really true and that's kind of what i was like tr- trying to get get at when I was saying it has like lightning in the bottle mm-hmm. kind of feel about it. It's it was it was it was capturing like a time when these younger animators were really just you know thirsty for you know to to, to express themselves and mm-hmm. and and it's a little bit like Star Wars in that that in that respect as well. The fact that it was just these you know these Gynax guys just together. You know, bouncing around for a couple of summers, just making a crazy thing, is is uh, yeah, no jam session. That's a that's a really good way like to describe. I think the um, the environment in which it needs to be made, mm-hmm. which is which is why the slightly more formal, like you know, production IG element is. Uh, yeah, it's interesting, I guess. Yeah, but if Adult Swim and Toonami are getting into producing things, that is a definitely interesting development. Um, I know they did way back in the day, like they they helped co-fund the second season of Big O. I don't know if you... Big O. It was kind of like... <laughs> it was um, Batman the Animated Series with mechs kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> uh, was... I... It was like this Art Deco series with the giant robot and the main character was called Roger Smith. Um, it was really cool, actually. Mm-hmm. And it had, had the best theme song that sounded like it was it was written by Queen. I don't, I don't think it made that big an impact in the UK. I think it was more popular in America, but right, um, right. it only got a second series because of America. Um, 
Ah, I see. Well, when I I think the same is actually true of FLCL because mm. that was, as I said, like a straight to video. Um, don't worry, we're not going to spend the whole episode talking about FLCL. No, no. <laughs> Anyone listening? Um, but that was kind of made popular because that was played again and again on um, either Adult Swim or Toonami. Or both, <laughs> yeah, or, or yeah, or both in the um, in the US, um, and that has a big part to play in its, its sort of like cult status, a bit like Cowboy Bebop was. Yeah, I just want them to give Shinichiro Watanabe a lot of money and say, "Go do what you want." <laughs> well, I suppose they did that with um, with Space Dandy, but mm. I want him, I want him to do something else. <laughs> um. Okay, uh, I think we've exhausted that one pretty much. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, are Are you gonna do the emoji story? I mean, there's not really much more of an announcement than we were given. We were reminded that there's an emoji movie coming, and I did not want to be reminded of that. Lego Movie, what have you done? You could just make a movie on anything now because it's a Lego movie. That's what they think. But emoji movie, terrible idea. All I can say is brownie face, poo face. Uh, Do you know, I think it could be an interesting idea. I'm just not inspired by anything I've heard about how they're going about it. Like the, um, I think <laughs> I think in the announcement that was made like this week, um, so someone was saying like, oh, you know, the potential is is huge, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, you know, but but we're sort of like thinking of um, uh, visualizing this in really interesting ways. Like when they're streaming music, they'll be on an actual stream, and it's like that's not an idea for a for a story it it kind of it, it it was funny because i read that the same day i was listening to an interview with meg lafove who wrote um inside out mm-hmm. um and she was in this interview she was saying like how she was brought on halfway through like production and they were they were really close to just packing it in um and pete doctor showed her like all of these designs for like these you know the the uh, imagination islands I, the the you know the the islands of personality that are in Riley's head, yeah. And he was saying, oh yeah, so like you know we've got this here and and Meg's uh, being like this you know the new screenwriter presence sort of said, yeah, but 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 why does that exist? And all Pete Doctor could really say was, well, because it's fun and it's here and it's cool and it's going to look really great in the movie. And like you know, Meg the foe was saying. Like she felt her job was to say, we can only do these things if they're absolutely earned and they have a real reason, you know, uh, for existing in relation to like the main character's story. And it just sent, it just set alarm bells off when this emoji movie um, like conference happened, and the, the guy said, you know, we've been already talking to Spotify. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a tail wagging the dog kind of situation and uh yeah i don't know <laughs> it, it, it'll be what it is and it will be forgotten i think probably quite quickly this is one of those movies where 
I think it's fair to say that it's not really someone came up with a brilliant story that they just had to tell. <laughs> no, not no, not in the slightest. And the fact that they aren't talking about characters at this point is is kind of indicative of that for me. Uh, I think I I, I said because um, you, you you were talking about it with like uh, Denery, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I said, well, whose phone is it? Because they said it. The movie takes place inside of a smartphone. And I said, whose phone? Like, that could be interesting if it was the president's phone or I don't know. And it, anyway, that's not worth thinking about. <laughs> they'll, they'll probably go, oh, it's Kim Kardashian's phone or Taylor Swift. I just tie someone in so they can get them in the promotional material. Yeah. Okay. So that's the thing that's happening. Uh, Let's not promote that. No. <laughs> um, uh, one other thing that the internet is really talking about this week is that the first image came out of from the Ghost in the Shell live action movie. Oh, okay, yeah, and that sort of was like all anyone talked about for like two days. Yeah, which you know, <laughs> more talk than I thought there was going to be about that movie. Uh, it just looks like Scarlett Johansson in a black wig, um, but obviously it brought up the whole race Im- um, issue, which is what everyone's been talking about. Um, yeah, and and I I have really specific thoughts about all this, and it's very very tricky. Um, I think what's encouraging is that it's people like really. Like the outrage for me was really people really, really questioning in a very deep way, like institutional like racism from a mission mm-hmm. from a mission um, mm. in in um in in Hollywood. But knowing how I mean, knowing a little bit about how Hollywood works, it the, the funny thing as well is I look at this casting decision of having Scarlett Johansson in the movie, and I think. Yeah, no, I understand that. It, it, in a way, it's giving them too much credit to think that they're motivated by keeping um, the lead a white person. Mm-hmm. They're only thinking about money. The movie would not be made uh, were someone were um, if someone of Scarlett Johansson's um, like box office pull was not involved as the lead essentially and mm-hmm. i think it's 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 it, the pro for me the problem is is that it's hollywood's own fault that there isn't um you know uh an asian american or an you know an asian english-speaking star with the same kind of box office pull as scarlett johansson mm-hmm. and i think that's kind of the you know the the interesting and depressing like uh, reason behind why it's happened my question about this and I don't know the answer Mm -hmm. is whether they have where they're setting the film or um, because also there's been uh, talk about um, a US uh, Death Note movie that Netflix are going to be involved with um, okay. Adam Wingard is making it, um, mm-hmm. and it's been mentioned like in the same conversations. But I don't really, f- I 
in a way, I, I feel like it's not quite the same thing, because I think Death Note, you can you can relocate it to America, no problem. Mm-hmm. You're not you don't have to make the film with a character called Light Yagami. Uh, a Light isn't you know a real Japanese name. I don't think it's just a random word. So you could call him Light Jones, I suppose, um, <laughs> if you wanted to. Light Jones but... sounds like a detective. He sounds like a. a... <laughs> Sort of Dick Tracy sort of sleuth. Or he might be like a side character on Lovejoy or something. I don't know. <laughs> Light Jones. Light Jones. Yeah, he's the, he's the best uh, forger. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the best uh, Turner forger in town. Um, but with with this, all I know is that they're calling the main character the Major. Um, okay. Yeah, she, she could be called the Major. But she's not... not trying to say Major Kusagni, Kusak, Kus... nah. Kusanagi, Kusanagi, mm-hmm. yeah, because um, she's clearly not. Um, but they seem to be casting Asian people around. Like um, uh, Takashi Kitano is going to be the um, going to be the boss. Okay, yeah, and he can't, as I remember, I, he can't speak English. In, in <laughs> fact, I looked into this because I was curious. And it turns out that he was actually the um, the starring uh, um, celebrity in a series of commercials about speaking English uh, for Japanese people. And, mm-hmm. But he was the butt of the joke in, like, he started speaking English in this commercial, and it was terrible. And um, uh, an English, native English speaker steps in and says, yeah, let, let's have a real uh, English teacher handle it. <laughs> so... I don't really get the yeah the the thinking behind that decision because his scenes with Scarlett Johansson, you know the major and um, uh, um, what's his character called? The um, oh Aramaki, Aramaki boss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so 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 the scenes between Major and Aramaki are, are quite integral to like the story moving forward, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So that's that's going to be very interesting. Um, yeah, I think it's a really tricky thing to do. I mean, I don't think that Scarlett Johansson is very good casting actually. Before you even get into race, and she's not really the major. I don't think she has the same kind of um, uh, pers- I don't. I can't imagine her slipping into that personality very well. The major's more a sort of... I mean, back in the day, I mean, if we're going to whitewash the casting of the movie, uh, Sigourney Weaver would be the choice, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't know if... My my sort of feeling is that if they were going to, say, relocate it to America, which mm-hmm. you might well do if you're doing an American adaptation, that's kind of what adaptations are, mm-hmm. then... She could be the major, yeah. whatever. But right. if you're going to set it in Japan... Is it set in Japan? That's the thing. That's um, crazy. Well, I know, that's the thing. I don't know where it's set. The tricky, the tricky thing is the original is actually set in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah. the, um, anim- the anime movie mm. set in Hong Kong. Mm. The original manga and standalone complex and all the other things are set in Japan. Mm-hmm. So I, f- I think this is 
an adaptation of the same story as the film. So right, well, but I I do remember hearing in like really early talk about the film. I'm not sure if that's changed. That it was going to centre around um, the Laughing Man. Oh, I think it's the pup, puppet master. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Right. So so that's the um, same plot as the movie. Um. Yeah. So if if they've kept it in Hong Kong or if it's in Japan or whatever and then they've just got a white person in the middle of it and lots of Asian people around them then that seems almost worse somehow <laughs> to me it's like yeah. hey they, yeah. this white person has to be magical white person it's like it's like um, Tom Cruise in The Last Samurai <laughs> basically um, yeah it's it. well the thing like the thing is is I, I think personally this film is coming you know, not even given the Matrix, you know, given the fact that the Matrix exists, um, you know, 15 years too late. Mm-hmm. It really is. So the least they could do is kind of catch up to, you know, catch up in terms of political correctness. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it's not really encouraging. I mean, nothing about it is very encouraging, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's it seems like a very confused mess, and it seems like something which is like, you know, uh, just every step of the way battling the stagnant uh, practices of Hollywood. Yeah, they're they're just not handling it very well. Uh, I think is. No, no, I know, well, and uh, I mean, sometimes what happens is. If if the I mean the the reaction to this has been huge by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes what happens is a director on Twitter might come out and try and defend like the decisions. Like I remember when um, Jurassic World came out, the director of that sort of tried to sort of defend the um, you know the the apparent sexism in um, in what's her name's character. <laughs> Uh, in, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yes, in Bryce Dallas. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, and nothing of that sort's really happened. Uh, yeah, it's it's really it's really tricky, and it's it's not a very it's not encouraging, really, and it's not exciting either. <laughs> no, but it's one of these things where we really don't actually know any much, very much. So. In a way, we shouldn't judge, but at the same time, they're not, no. they're not doing a very good job so far, and I think it's fair to comment on that. <laughs> yeah, and if yeah. this if this is going to be the reaction to like one image coming out, then mm-hmm. come time the movie, like come, to, come come the time the actual film comes out, um, I think they're going to be quite shocked at how people take against it. Well, hopefully, it, hopefully, it's enough of a shock to be a wake-up call. Well, there was a story going around about them trying to use effects to make Scarlett Johansson look more Asian. But you what? That that was a story that was going around. You're that, kidding? That they considered it? No, I am not kidding. But okay, I I have heard sort it's been sort of debunked to a certain extent, or or it you know it might have been someone said about it and it wasn't signed off or something it it's not i think the original story i think was kind of possibly 
slightly incorrect or something but that was a story that's going around and at that po- when I heard that I was like okay then I've gone from mm, I'm not very sure to sort of screw this movie but again that's bonkers <laughs> that's absolutely bonkers oh my goodness yeah it's not good but it might not might not actually be true I don't know um, no but yeah that's coming out in 20 oh well, it's actually yeah it's actually going to happen which is which is new uh, because most of these anime movies never happen or the zillion um, Akira adaptations and stuff mm. so when this comes out and flops big time because of all the then narratives... we're absolutely never getting Akira <laughs> or Evangelion <laughs> oh thank goodness we don't want that Akira movie please that is definitely one of those cases of like if you set it in America or whatever then surely it's no longer Akira <laughs> absolutely and the same with in a weird sort of way, the same with Ghost in the Shell. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's just depressing, really, and and not interesting. The standard argument, apparently, from people um, trying to defend it, they say, mm. "Well, she's a, she's a cyborg. Cyborgs don't have a race." Like, shut up. Right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And the other occasion is people go, well, she was designed to look Western. And you just go, shut up. Yeah, so I saw Max was... I saw Max Landis say that. Max Landis, oh, well. screenwriter of Chronicle and a few other things. Um, he said, well, aren't anime characters uh, drawn no, to look... No, they're not. They're not. <laughs> I know. He said, he said, aren't anime characters drawn to look white? And... And I was just like, okay, I'm going to stand back and just let this, this, uh, <laughs> this, uh, this clusterfuck <laughs> just play out and leave them to it, because it's it's far too, you know, complicated and and I and I think there are there are people who are probably going to disagree with what I got to say about it. I mean, I don't think it's a good thing, but I can kind of see how it happens because. Hollywood is not driven by race; it's driven by money. Um, yeah, but institutionally, there are there is racism already kind of in the machine of how money is spun. So mm-hmm. it's just um, you're not encouraging that; they're not trying to break any of those uh, cycles or habits. And it's not going to happen until they make a movie that breaks the cycle so yeah no. it's a catch 22 type thing but anyway I think that's enough of that because it's tangentially connected to animation um, uh, I think we should talk about some stuff we've been watching um, you, and as we were talking about things that are sort of animated <laughs> you went to see the Jungle Book I went to see the Jungle Book yeah, it was. It, it's. It, I think it's the first. Oh no, I saw. I saw Alice in Wonderland. But apart from that, it's the only like big Disney live action remake of the recent cycle um, that I've seen. I think I don't really count Alice in Wonderland. I don't know why. I just. I think it, well, it's it's kind of taken feel... lots of liberties with the. Um, it's it's not trying to recreate the feeling of the original cartoon, is it? But no. so someone like Cinderella really was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. How was it? I, how was it? 
Um, well, I mean, my expectations were kind of um, positive because I, I liked the look of the trailer. And I actually, I really like John Favreau, actually, the director. You know, he did Iron Man and Elf. Elf, uh, his best film. Mm, and way back in the 90s, he did a, a movie called Swingers, which really was the thing mm. that sort of got him noticed and is incidentally, try and believe this, try and like imagine this and get your head around it. It's a really good Vince Vaughn film. And Vince Vaughn's is what, kind of... What? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I like John Favreau and I think he... I, th- I think actually something like Elf is a really good example of like he knows how to make a really entertaining um, family movie which uh, has really appealing characters and is just well paced and I think he's got a real knack for it in sort of um, in sort of like a in, in, in the craft you know he doesn't necessarily have like great big outer sort of like stamps but mm-hmm. By and large, he's 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 dependable. Um, so I was, you know, mildly optimistic because at the same time I love the original Disney animated movie. Of course. And as you can probably like guess from like how I felt about FLCL and other things, I get very very nervous whenever anything is um, is reimagined or like mm-hmm. remade in such like narrow um terms with like properties and interpretations because of course you know the original film is reinterpretation of the book by roger kidley um so okay yeah i liked it a lot actually and um it was it was so cool because um it's actually really good at being its own thing um, and he does a really good job. Like within the first ten minutes, I was not thinking of the original movie um, at all, um, mm-hmm. because it was just so involving, and the and the characters are just I, I really spot on. I mean, the performances are great, but the way the characters speak and and um, I mean are are, are animated because. The movie is actually animated. It's, it's, I think they use a small amount of motion capture and I imagine that's probably not so much in the performances, but maybe in, I'm just guessing here. It may be in, um, recreating a realistic animal motion, which is really tricky. Um, mm-hmm. but the animated, the performances are great and they've, they've got this amazing balance of of something that they've been trying to do for a while um, in talking animal movies, which is how do we get these things to emote in a way that looks like the animals, but also is like slightly more Lighten. expressive yeah, than, mm. than animals tend to be. And they've absolutely nailed it. Um, I don't know how, how they've done it. I mean, the, the only... Uh, human in the movie is uh, Mowgli who mm-hmm. is played by uh, a newcomer <laughs> that's why I don't know his name off the top of my head um, I think it's called Neil Seti 
No, that doesn't sound right. Anyway, so but he, the, this kid is absolutely brilliant. Like, yeah, Neil Setti. Neil Setti to me. Yeah. Okay, okay. It sounded too much like Setti, <laughs> and it sounded a little bit. E T H I. Okay, okay. And it's not Neil Setti. Neil, Neil Sofa. No. So um. And when he's so appealing, and he his his performance is is really big and uh, oh. like theatrical, but not in any annoying way. He's just he is Mowgli. Um, it kind of reminded me of you know how um, Michael Caine is in uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, and he you mean his best film, his best film, and the best. <laughs> And the best performance, you know, with Muppets. It kind of reminded me of that, where you didn't really think about them being separate. They were just mm -hmm. in the same world, and they sort of, you know, even though when he's talking to Bagheera, it's, you know, a boy talking to quite a realistic-looking Black Panther. Um, you don't think about it, because the characterization is, is so strong that... Uh, you just believe it. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun in in the movie, and uh, yeah, it, it it did a really good job of being very respectful, and also you know to to the original like the, mm -hmm. both the source book and the Disney movie, which is really mm -hmm. what it was remaking, if anything. Um, but also, like, really being its own thing as well. Um, so I would say if you like the original movie and if you like the Jungle Book, like, you know, the characters, and I do, I'm really fond of, you know, um, Bagheera and, and Baloo and, uh, you know, Arkela and Mowgli. Uh, then, yeah, absolutely ch ch check it out. It's... Uh, yeah, it's great. I don't, I don't know what else to say. Um, it's interesting in that John Favreau has basically been going around saying it's an animated movie, which is, in a lot of these cases, they will sort of bury that idea because yeah, yeah, I they was... don't want people to think it's an animated movie when mm. they like with Marvel movies or whatever they say, they won't go around saying oh no this is basically animated <laughs> with a few yeah. actors well the, every the classic is old Jimmy Cameron with his avatar oh this is an animated mm. movie this is something different yeah this is better yeah this is better this isn't the same thing this is something new when in fact um, despite all of the really impressive behind the scenes footage of Avatar so much of that motion capture data was cleaned up and basically reanimated by the animation staff working on that movie but for some reason uh the marketing you know press team didn't want people to see the film that way so they didn't say that but uh, yeah as you said like it's it's really refreshing that john favreau in lots of interviews has said you know what we're doing is actually just a very um is, is just like a more technologically advanced version of what disney did in 1967 but they did it with background paintings and ink and paint on cells and we're doing it with you know motion capture technology and cg animation 
Yeah, because they actually want to be connected to the original. They want because mm. people that people's like natural instinct is, oh, they're going to ruin the Jungle Book, the Jungle Book animated movie I loved, and they're like, no, but this is an animated movie. This is just a new kind of animated movie. Yeah. Whereas and it, and but but the the. You're, yeah, it's it's tricky because it's not exactly photorealistic. I mean, there are certain times when it does look stunning, but the cool thing about it being animated and it being like a digital world is is um, he has like the ability to just tip things into a slightly more fantastical version of of what they're depicting uh, for like an emotional effect. Um, like particularly, mm-hmm. I, I've scenes like um, spoilers. Car is in this film, the giant snake. Um, yeah, with Scarlett Johansson playing another role that's supposed to be played by an Asian. Are you kidding? Really? Yeah, it's in India, isn't it? Oh, okay, right. <laughs> Sorry, you lost me for a second. Okay, yeah, but like that sequence is, you know, the the forest turns a slightly different you know shade and certain shapes appear that weren't there before in the trees um which you know is all down to the fact that it was animated and the director you know had full control over how stylized like elements were um yeah it was and and all of the voice performances are just great I love Ben Kingsley as Bagheera. Um, he he got everything absolutely spot on. His kind of his 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 um, his stuffiness and his his tough love and his um, uh, determination to you know desperately cling on to his um, dignity as he sees it. Um, which is which is really funny when he you know bumps up against uh, Bill Murray's Blue, uh, which is which is you know something which is there in the original Disney cartoon, uh, but it's 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 not they're not there aren't many times where they're hitting exactly the same beats that you know are coming up. Um, there were points when I was like I didn't know where it was headed and it does take its own path um on a few things which is which is really cool actually i really i really appreciated that um yeah i don't know it's it's great (laughs) and it's and it seems like it seems like it's been really popular um yeah yeah so far and it's made a ton and um i'm you know despite the fact that it's uh a remake and you know quote unquote unoriginal uh, or adapted or whatever you want to call it um i was really really pleased with how it came out and uh, I, yeah they did they did a great job the thing that was the only the only thing that's that's worth noting and i think it's kind of been said elsewhere is that it's very much a pg mm-hmm. uh movie shikan is really scary and um there are other elements which are genuinely freaky um and felt more kipling than disney basically yeah. well they they did say they were sort of combining the disney with 
more Kipling story. So. Mm, mm. Um, but yeah, no, I was, more reason to exist. <laughs> yeah, I was thoroughly impressed, and and the bottom line for me really was the fact that it was an animated movie, and mm-hmm. the performances that you were seeing were you know at hand crafted performances like Zootropolis or Zootopia or mm-hmm. um, you know and it's, and it's actually no different it's just working on a different tonal uh, you know place and they've both got Idris Elba in them and yeah they do fine, and it's going to be by Dory well that's great I no I'm chuffed about that because he's he's great in anything and I, mm-hmm. I'm really liking his his turn as like a as a voice uh, a voice artist he's he's really got a knack for it and he really understands you know what he can do with his voice it's great mm-hmm. yeah cool um actually you saying about Zootropolis reminded me that um last week a documentary was released about them it's called imagining zootopia mm. um that we both got a chance to watch um from the fusion network i believe it was and it was like 47 minutes long yeah and i remember you in the the missing episode uh you were very keen on it um Right, yeah, no, I was because, well, as you said, it was made by Fusion, and it wasn't, and it was like an outsider look, and I was quite surprised at what Disney kind of authorized, um, because I imagine they probably had very, very strong say in, you know, uh, the material that was like released for the documentary, and it was, I mean, it was a really interesting look at like the development of the story, basically. Hmm. And that stuff really interests me, as it is. But I was really surprised at the footage that they were showing in the documentary of um, the story team with John Lasseter and the directors and some storyboard artists and producers and writers in the same room talking about like the themes which which have been spoken about as maybe being into maybe maybe being in the movie. Um, but like them explicitly saying, yeah, this is about. They kept saying it was about bias. Yeah, um, that was the word they used. Bias. That was the, that was the word that they used the most. But there were other times when they definitely said, you know, prejudice and racism. Yeah, and and I, I um, and I think a lot of the the staff really took it that way. Um, Josie Trinidad, um, the head mm-hmm. of story, um, on the movie, she said, you know. For her, it was very, and she mentioned that you know her her son is um, is is not white, and for her it was very much a a movie um, about those like, about racial tensions, basically in in, in America. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So if you're interested in like in reading the movie that way, which I think lots of people are, um, then absolutely check this documentary out because. I was, I mean, I was really shocked at some of the things that they almost did in the movie and then took out. Yeah, they do show you different versions of the story as well, which is really interesting from that perspective, mm. just the story perspective as well as all the 
issues. Yeah, it's very rarely you, you hear about things like in this detail. Mm. It's definitely worth checking out. It's on YouTube, right? You can just... Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, search that and you'll find it. And I will link to it again in the show notes. Great. For this very episode that you are listening to now. Wow. Get that. Amazing. Um, <laughs> and the other thing uh, I know that you watched recently was um, a little gem from the Studio Ghibli catalogue. Oh, yeah. I think it's... I, I, I think it was uh, the last Ghibli I hadn't seen. Uh, and I watched it uh, to get that check checklist filled out, um, and I thought that was kind of what I was doing. But it ended up being, as with most of their movies, a really enjoyable film. Um, ocean Ocean Waves. Yes. Or I can I can hear the sea as it's called in in Japanese. Um, yeah, it's like a it, it it was a project that was conceived as um an opportunity for Ghibli's younger staff to uh to have a production of their own and sort of for animators and for directors to step up. Um and it was a straight to, it, it was a TV movie which was like subsequently released on video and DVD. Um but it was actually quite a big production and they went over budget. And, um, you know, that's why something of this sort didn't happen again. But I loved it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a really good, um, teen drama, like slice of life thing. Kind of like a more, you could probably put it next to, um, Whisper of the Heart. And it's, it doesn't have the same sort of, um, like magical edges as Whisper of the Heart does. Mm-hmm. It's very slices lifey and more like only yesterday in that regard. Or from up on Poppy Hill is another really just straightforward. Yeah, actually that's true. Yeah, no, it, it's it's like that, but it's a it's about. I mean, it's 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 about um, graduating high school kids, so their concerns are. Um, like slightly more mature like they're into I mean like they're comfortable about like dating and you know all of, all of that mm-hmm. kind of stuff and I think there's drinking involved in the movie at some point um, I, I think I don't know about the drinking age in Japan but it certainly felt like underage drinking to me um, <laughs> uh, but I loved it because it was like it, it was made in 1993 and it's got like the same synthy um electronic like soundtrack as Whisper of the Heart. Awesome. Um and it's like uh you know, everyone's dressed like it's the early nineties and it's this weird sort of thing I and I, I don't know how to describe it, but um I I sometimes describe this thing as like phantom nostalgia when you're watching something that was made in a time that you are nostalgic for, but you didn't see this this particular thing. Yeah. Um. I I have it like with things like um, I got it with Twin Peaks. Weirdly enough, when I started watching that, I had I had a very sort of like 
strong sense of nostalgia for somewhere I'd never been <laughs> or something I hadn't, mm-hmm. I hadn't ever yeah. seen before. Um, so for me, like it had that kind of effect, but um, the characters are great actually. And the really, the really cool thing I did, really cool thing um, that I liked about what it did was that um, the main character is a boy and it's sort of about a love triangle between him and his best mate and this new girl who appears at the school um it's a it, they they all live in a rural seaside town and this girl who uh this girl moves from Tokyo and she's sort of like the exotic um outsider city girl and people are in equal measures jealous and curious of her and in the case of like these two boys like you know um interested like sexually in her yeah um, but the really interesting thing the movie does is that in 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 lots of like those instances you'd imagine her to be um or, or like in romantic comedies she's sort of that 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 archetype is just perfect and flawless um but the cool thing is is that she's actually a bit of a terror and and she, <laughs> and she ends up being um like very manipulative in a in a smiley sly kind of way um that the movie's really aware of and like plays on you know um the fact that she ends up exploiting and you know um like asking to borrow money from from these guys like knowing full well that they'll absolutely be more than pleased to help her out but you know <laughs> Have her back or things like that. Um, yeah, so it's it's an interesting little story, and um, the cool thing as well. I think it's seventy minutes or sixty-seven minutes or something really mercifully short, like that. Yeah. Um, so you know, if you don't like it, then hey, it was an hour, and that's that. <laughs> uh, the animation is great. I think um, it's it's certainly like you can tell it's lower budget. Uh, but uh, if you're interested in like the development of Studio Ghibli, then it might be interesting. I think it's uh, I think it's probably like the least Ghibli Ghibli movie, which is ah. which is saying something. But that's just, just because it really is in a in a in it, it's it's very much like an adolescent sort of um, teen movie. Uh, mm-hmm. For that for that age group, uh, f- for that target audience, um, but yeah, no, I saw that uh, a while ago now. But uh, it's it's stuck with me enough that I, I was able to sort of talk about it, and uh, I, I recommend checking it out if you're um, if you're looking to, you know, if if you're interested in in in, in anime or Studio Ghibli, then absolutely check it out. Yeah, I fairly like a couple of months ago. I finally watched Whisper of the Heart, and I don't think I actually talked about it on the podcast. But I watched it for the first time. Oh, great! And I I really enjoyed it, obviously, because it's brilliant. I yeah, I rented the Blu-ray, and um, yeah, it's interesting because it is one of their slice of life things, even though it's got the sort of fantasy flight of fantasy sequences in it. Mm-hmm. Um. But 
I just love like the sequence with with the cat on the train and her following the cat on the train and everything like that. The Lou and Davis sequence. Yeah, the character with the that cat has so much character, just in the Ghibli way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a bit random the whole um, country music thing, but yeah, I really really enjoyed it. Um, I yeah. think that movie is. Yeah, it deserves a higher like place on the Ghibli in the Ghibli ranking. I think it's really, really special. Well, interestingly enough, Joe of Team AFA, who wrote a review for the for the site, mm-hmm. uh, actually says it's his favorite. Right. Um, just, I think it's his favorite film in general, actually. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. So. It's a really good review that he wrote up for the site. It was interesting because I had that was just that came up just after I had seen it and I'd watched it and I thought, oh, I, I should probably write up a review. We haven't got a review for that. And then Joe wanted to do it. It's like it's my favourite film. Like, oh, awesome. <laughs> but, uh, no, I can't uh, blame yeah. him for that. It's it's really it, it, it's really just unassuming, I think, actually, and um, a little bit like the girl who let through time like it seems mm-hmm. like it's not doing very much but in the end it really adds up in quite a a major like compelling way mm-hmm. um yeah that is great yeah it's just a very very lovely film i would say uh, well, i don't know you see you say you say that but it's it's about like a real um no, I, I understand what you're saying, actually, and that that's true. But I think um, it has a lot of substance, and there's like a real um, there's a real sort of like unexpressed like I, I I don't I don't want to call it pain, but something of um, a real concern on on Shizuku's part of like feeling inadequate and the fear of feeling inadequate um as her you know as her love interest goes mm-hmm. to is it Cremona I don't know In, to, <laughs> he, he goes to Italy to make violence yeah and she's sort of left and she doesn't like school but she wants to be a writer she thinks and there's this like scene where she like um it's, it's a dream sequence and she's like wandering through a uh, a hallway of like gems, and she mm-hmm. finds this thing that's like a gem that's like calling to her, and she goes and she peels it away from this like, and this, all these gems are encrusted in the wall, and she peels it away in her hand, and she opens her hand, and it's it's turned into a dead bird, and it's such a really yeah. creepy like unexpected moment in this. Uh, in this lovely Miyazaki movie. <laughs> mm. um, but yeah, no, I think that's like one example of just how, uh, how unique that film is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could, I could talk, sorry, I could go on and on about that film. <laughs> it's fine. The cat's awesome. Love the cat. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what the cat's called now. Moon. Muji. Hmm? Moon? Moon, yeah, it's an awesome cat. Anyway, um, yeah, no, I've 
more recently I've watched some things as well. Um, I have been watching, catching up with some episodes of Bob's Burgers that I haven't seen before. Um, oh, great. I've, I think it's season five, I think I've started on. Okay. Uh, I remember when that first when it first started, I remember I people were quite really sceptical about it, I think. Like, yeah. when people were, like, looking at it and going, oh, look at that, they're like that. Mm-hmm. And they were really, like, um, judgmental about it without having seen anything. And then I think, you know, even people watched a couple were maybe not that impressed. But I remember, I watched the first one and I thought, I quite like this. And then I think, I think it might have been, like, the second episode where, where, um, Bob moves into the um into the walls uh, to avoid um Linda's parents coming to stay <laughs> and he just moves in it and that was just the episode where I fell in love with it <laughs> and, and there was also this uh, in the Thanksgiving episode there's this Totoro sequence with a giant turkey oh yeah of course yeah that's great that's so well animated yeah. that part mm. Yeah, so I'm I'm a big fan of Bob Burgers, and um, so far season five, what I've been watching has been typically excellent. Um, they really, as it's gone along, they really got into the music side of things, where they like <laughs> they they put a real big effort into like the the closing music of each episode. Oh uh, yeah, the the little stings. That's so yeah yeah. And um, there's yeah, there's an episode where like. Joni Mitchell comes into it just to do the music at the end. It's really weird. <laughs> there's, there's um, there is um, there's also yeah they put on Gene puts on a a um a play of Die Hard the Musical. Um, <laughs> yeah, and just the characters in that show. The characters are so good. Um, like the the children and and. And Bob and Linda, of course, as well. But they're just some of the funniest characters, and got some of the best voice acting as well. Like Kristen Schaal and um, uh, was Eugene Merman is amazing. As yeah, well. the whole cast is so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's 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 yeah. really funny as well because it doesn't feel like it doesn't like have masculine fatigue, but also somehow <laughs> it doesn't manage to be like entirely. Uh, un- uninclusive or like sexist, but yeah, only Kristen Scholl. <laughs> Kristen Scholl is he's a real. Is, the only. It's the only female. Uh, yeah. Uh, regular cast member. Yeah, but it's. Yeah, I think I, I think I finished watching it around like season four. I I remember watching the the finale, which was particularly bonkers, where. There was oh, it was called World War Two. Yeah, that that was the season just before this one. Right. Oh, I don't think I've seen any of season five then, actually. No. Um, but I remember it really annoyed me when I um I fairly recently uh I watched um the episode of Family Guy with the Simpsons crossover, and there's just. Like in a, in a cutaway bit, there's a there's a a um appearance from Bob, voiced by um voiced voiced by John H. Ben, H. John Benjamin, obviously himself. Um, they were like in a plane, and um they make some reference. Oh yeah, we're always carrying him, or something. 
and it's just like, well, yeah, but it's much better <laughs> than Family Guy is. Sorry. Yeah, it no, is. <laughs> I, it, it, no, I I completely agree. I care more about um, that family more than I ever have about the um, the Griffins. Griffins. No one cares about the Griffins. The people who make the show don't care about the Griffins. That's the thing. Yeah. No. Well, well that's kind of. That's that's fine, but no, I really like you know there, um, you know there are episodes where, where they get into like Bob's, in in the same way that The Simpsons actually did, like they get into the grandparents and like the, um, Bob and uh, Linda's like you know relationship with their parents, mm-hmm. um, and like what that means to them being parents and. Yeah, I really like how the characters, the characters actually care about each other as well. I mean, they'll mm. they'll have like you know, day to day grievances and like banter and all the rest of it, but by and large, they love each other, mm. and I think that really comes yeah. through. Yeah, that that's more like Simpsons mm. than Family Guy. Mm. Um. And I've also been watching another um, adult animated series um, called Brickleberry, uh, that is set in a um, in a oh, in the Yellowstone. Actually, yeah, in it. Is it actually Yellowstone? I don't know. I no, no, it, 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 no, it could be. <laughs> no, it's in a park. It's in okay. a park, and it is specifically not Yellowstone. I think because they reference Yellowstone. I think. Well, actually, I believe the camp is called Brickleberry, so... That probably makes <laughs> sense. Um, yeah, so it's not another family sitcom, it's a workplace sitcom, um, and there is, like, there's a ranger and a chief ranger, and, um, yeah, a group of rangers, obviously, uh, they're the main characters, and there's also a bear cub, um, who's... Who's oh he oh he's he's a naughty bear cub. He says the things you're not supposed to say. Oh, he's that about, guy. okay. He's he's uh, <laughs> he's Stewie. Stewie. <laughs> is he Stewie? Um, what 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 is he? What is his character actually like? Uh, he's strange. Is he in it um, much? <laughs> quite a bit. Um, I I I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because in recent episodes I've been talking about um like sausage party and Helen back and saying about adult animation that tries to be too edgy and stuff okay. and how it's trying really hard and everything but and this is you know this is from that sort of school of hey let's say something shocking well so is Rick and Morty but, kind of yeah. yeah but I've been enjoying it because probably you know just because it's made me laugh and that's the um, that's the thing it's, you know like South Park's all all the same yeah but, um, it's good because South Park's funny mm. and entertaining, it's good. Um, whereas, you know, like, Helen Back just wasn't funny more than anything else. Um, so, you know, I, I can't really defend Brickleberry too much, because... Um, but... <laughs> this... Oh, apparently it's been cancelled. Oh, sorry. Did you know about that? Uh, no. There are no. three seasons, and apparently... That, that's it was it something I said I don't, I don't know <laughs> I feel like um, yeah 
I was just saying it's quite. I've been enjoying it, and now it's now I've killed it. I'm sorry, well, guys. You, well, was watching it. this is how these things go. Like Family Guy was cancelled, and that didn't stop it. Yeah, I don't think this is going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I can't really. Defend it makes it, if, yeah. If much, it, I, I know, I, you, just, I know what you mean. Like it's with 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 something that calls itself comedy. It only yeah. really needs to pass one test. Yeah. It's it's a bit you know. It's like the place where I am with Family Guy now, where you know, sort of like I watch it if it's on Netflix or telly or whatever. I just watch it. Some of it will work for me, some of it really won't, and I'll just watch it to pass some time when I'm in the right sort of mood. Mm-hmm. It's not. I'm not. I'm not going to say this is amazing. I'm not going to collect it on DVD or anything. I'm not going to defend it, but I will just. But um, there was there is one thing I really don't like about it is there's one character who just seems sort of mean-spirited sort of creation because there's this one woman who is voiced by a man uh, uh, Bob's Burger style but um, in this case you know it's this big big woman who um, happens it's pretty much suggested that that she's gay and she's got a crush on the other the attractive warden lady Um, And, you know, and it's really not very, it's not very great in the portrayal of that character, to be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, she's gross, and she talks like a man, oh, and she's fat, oh, gross. And that bit just seems a bit mean-spirited and everything, but otherwise, it, it's all right. <laughs> I'm I'm not really... It's all I'm right. Going, okay. I'm not, rec- you know, I'm not going out all, all out of the way to recommend it. I'm just saying, I've been watching it. I've been entertained enough. Mm-hmm. If you like, you know, if you like that sort of thing, then you might be entertained enough by it yourself, uh, or not. But also, I did actually watch. I've only watched the first episode, but um, Animaniacs has gone up on Netflix. Oh really? In the US. Oh great! Yeah. Oh. Um, I don't know how much they put up, but you know, there's at least a season, and I just thought I have to see how this holds up. And hmm. as I said, yeah, based on the one episode, I think it holds out really well. <laughs> I think they just published a um, article on Cartoon Brew saying why it doesn't really doesn't hold up. Oh really? <laughs> but I haven't read it. Yeah, I'm surprised um, about that because I I see it like shared a lot. Yeah, I think and it's and great. people um, refer to it, and uh, I yeah, okay. It's one of these things where I haven't watched it as an adult, and now you go back to it and you go, "Oh, I get all the um, the gags and stuff." You know, a lot. Most of the references are so very, very nineties. But um... oh, the cartoon, the cartoon <laughs> brew thing says that it's no longer probably appropriate, and I think that's actually really, really, yeah. That's the thing that I kind of now think of when I think of Animaniacs is the amount of things which were, which I'm not going to get on TV nowadays. Frankly, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just watching the one episode, it's like I have to watch more. <laughs> it just really, it was a real nice nostalgia wallow and everything. And yeah, yeah, it's just it's so in the vein of sort of classic Looney Tunes type thing, and um, you know the amazing voice cast and everything. And you know it's interesting still to this day that. There's someone doing a Liverpudlian or trying to do a Liverpudlian accent. 
rather than oh rather yeah, than of just course. Being, yeah I forgot about that. rather than they're just being because <laughs> oh as we know there are only <clears throat> two English accents there's Hugh Grant and Michael Caine they're the only English accents and Jason Satan um, I think people are coming from too well, well yeah, yeah Cockney yeah. Cockney or Posh oh, they're okay, the two accents right, right. yeah um, not specifically those two people they were just um, uh, and yeah one of yeah, Wacko has the uh, has the um tries to do Beatles style accent it's supposed to be, I think was his motivation. But yeah, he's got a hey live a Pudlian accent, which to British people is funny. Um yeah, Animaniacs holds a special place for me. Uh, and a lot of that probably has to do something. We had a little we had a little um Wacko figure, a little plastic thing that I think my sister got for me when she went on a holiday once and she brought it back from an airport and it became a tradition to hide Wacko around the house and um, this Wacko went on holiday about uh, used to get hidden suitcases and stuff and used to get <laughs> photos of Wacko in various different places it was a tradition for years and years <laughs> that's great a little, little personal story there about Wacko and his amazing journeys that's got not a lot to do with anything else but yeah, I watched that, and that was fun. Um, I might check that out, because I, I I have wanted to watch that for a while, but it's not really been... The DVDs have been available easily. No. It seems a little bit easier to get through to uh, international Netflixes on using VPNs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. People. <laughs> dot, yeah. dot, dot, dot. <laughs> <laughs> Dot dot dot. Um, yes. Oh, and something I did watch last week, and I mentioned on the show that got didn't happen. I watched an anime series called Humanity Has Declined. That is a very strange uh, comedy series that is set in a post-apocalyptic world where there are little fairies. Uh, they're called fairies. They're also called new humans, but they're basically like elves. They're little, little people with little, little pointy hats and things. They're not like fairies with wings. It's been translated um, as fairies. I think they might be called fairies, in oh, the, okay. but it's, um, and the main character who is never named uh, has to um, really. She's yes, it's just called the. I think in the credits she's called the girl or something okay. or heroin or something um and there is she is a like a liaison between humans and fairies mm-hmm. uh but none of that really matters because it's basically just a really strange comedy um and a lot of time anime comedy doesn't necessarily translate that well because because humor is such a um uh, can be so specific to stuff um but I found this really funny. No, I'm just. It's had some really bizarre ideas that I just really liked. Um, there was this episode because the fairies are supposedly technologically advanced, but it basically means they can do magic. Um, and there's one episode which does sort of a Groundhog Day type thing with the um, uh, with the fairies like playing with time. Um, and it's it's all because they're trying to get someone to bake them cookies but they're messing with time to get it to happen right um and it 
introduces the concept of the time paradox. There's all these dogs popping up everywhere, and you go, ah, oh, it's a t and then you finally get the like the end. You get, that's a time paradox. And I was like, ah, I like that joke. <laughs> and there's another there's another episode where it's like, impressive um, they were able to get a pun in something that was translated as well. Yes, well they must have used the original word paradox, and then ah. dog. Yeah, they must have done. Um, and there's another episode like where characters get trapped inside a manga and they have to try and get to the end of the manga so that they can get out without it getting cancelled. So they have to like try and keep it popular and stuff. And it's just like all these really great creative ideas. I've got to say, I just Googled it. And the image that popped up that drew my attention was a little slice of bread with its head split open. Blood gushing yeah. out like a fountain. I knew what you were going to say when you said that. <laughs> like, oh yeah, there's the because um... it's like it's all these like pastel colours and everything, and then suddenly yeah. there'll be like a, a burst of ultra violence, or or um, there's these evil skinless chickens that try and take over the world in the first couple of episodes, and they're really foul mouthed and they just keep swearing the whole time. Um, so you get all these. Like it looks all pink and fluffy and cuddly and everything, and then you suddenly get these little bursts of oh, unexpected profanity or violence and stuff. And and, it's, and just... it's just like a mini series, like a like one season. Yeah, it's like twelve episodes, and it's out now in the UK on Blu-ray and DVD from Animatsu Entertainment. You can get it from I think I think it's Sentai in America, and it's also streaming on Crunchyroll and Hulu. So. If you want to check it out, you can. Um, and I enjoyed it, so there, there you go. Uh, I have also recently watched April in the Extraordinary World, which was awesome. You can read my review, but we are going to have a group discussion of it on the podcast, hopefully next time. So I will save my thoughts till then. Yeah, I'm very um, much looking forward to that. Yeah, I was a big fan of that film. So, um, okay. I think I can't really think of anything else I've been watching particularly. Uh, was there any other topics or anything you wanted to talk about? At um, I think we've covered it. Uh, yeah, the main things were just Jungle Book, which uh, I'm I'm just interested to see how like that develops. I think it could be. Yeah, I think that could be a big hit, and I think that deserves to be. Uh, Sorry, I didn't. I did, don't think I said anything. Okay, okay. I'm definitely more interested in that than I have been of any of the other uh, Disney yeah. live action. That was pretty much why I, I saw it. Mm. Mm. The only reason I saw it, I, I, I didn't at all rush out to see. Well, you, the thing is, I saw Alice in Wonderland, and I hated it. I thought it was everything about it was not what I want. It was the, the you know the 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 blending of CG and live action elements was terrible. It's it's weird. There doesn't seem to be like a coherent thing that they're doing with these movies. They seem to, and I think for the better, really, because mm -hmm. they're allowed to be done. And I've heard that Cinderella was very much a Kenneth Branagh movie. Um. And I think the Jungle Book is very much a John Favreau movie. 
uh, in the way it sort of, you know, treats its characters and treats the audience. Um, and the fact that they don't all have to team up in one movie at the end probably <laughs> means that each of these movies can be a little bit its own thing. Uh, yeah, so I'm 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 now more optimistic than I was about the upcoming ones, and I think the next one is Pete's Dragon. Yeah, I think that's this year. Um, and they released well, an image actually of that uh, this week yeah. of the dragon itself, and it looks like oh. the Last Guardian, the video game character. Oh, cool. Um, it's it's like a fluffy European dog-based dragon, not a. Ah, oh, neat. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, it's it 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 just looks yeah different. That's all. I'm encouraged that apparent people say Cinderella was decent. Yeah. And that was a big hit. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it, but people say it's decent, and that was that was a big hit. Jungle Book is obviously going to be a big hit, so I'm pleased that these ones have been popular because it might mean that they're doing things more in that vein going forward rather than... Mind you, Alice in Wonderland made a billion dollars, so... Well, it did, but it, for me, it was kind of like... Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know if... I don't know how much of that was people going back to see it. And it was, I think it was like the first big 3D film after. Avatar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, and I, I yeah. I, it, it's that sort of classic thing that Mark Komodo always talks about, which is just because a lot of people went to see something doesn't mean to say they like they enjoyed it. Yeah, which is the thing that's coming out about Batman, very Superman. Yeah, and <laughs> and you lot. know, I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happened with. Um, the uh, the torrent of Avatar sequels, that's that's coming. Mm-hmm. I, I I I'm really uh, surprised at the lack of um, what, what what would it be? Just just the arrogance of saying, yeah, let's do four of these. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It is pretty crazy. Um... Oh, one one other thing about Jungle Book. Did you see it in three D? Nope. And the interesting thing was, I don't think my local cinema was even playing it in three D. Uh, that is interesting because uh, I couldn't be, bold, I, I couldn't be less interested than seeing it in, to see it in three D. I, I I really couldn't. I couldn't give a toss. It's just one of these. It's one of those films that some people are saying, "Oh, this one actually might actually be worth watching." Right. I mean, I could see maybe if you were watching it in like laser projected IMAX three, mm. it would be great. But yeah. I'm just so fed up of those cheap, real D, three uh, D experiences where, you know, you're watching a very watered down type of three D with goggles that make the screen like 40% darker than it is. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, when I saw it yesterday, there were families in there and, you know, the lots of kids and the the audience that you would expect to be the ones who demand 3D. And yeah. they were fine and enjoying it and laughing and 
scared <laughs> as well. Um, you know, and involved in the film, regardless of that. Cool. Yeah. So, I might, I might, well, I'd, I would definitely watch it at some point, but I'm sort of thinking, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll go to the cinema even. No, I think uh, actually it really benefits from being seen in the cinema. It's a really good adventure movie. Cool. Yeah. Okay, I think that probably about wraps us up, really. Considering it's just been a um, a two-person show and we've just been news and what we've been watching, we've done quite a long show. Yeah. So um, I think we should let people go now. Um, so thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, it's been another fun chat and we will be back very soon with a bigger team. <laughs> and... Uh, you can catch up with everything we do on animationforadults.com. You can find us on Twitter, on Tumblr, on Pinterest, on Google+, and on Facebook. You can find our previous episodes on uh, podcast.com, on iTunes, and on Stitcher, and on the website. And you can follow the whole site at AFA Blog. You can follow me at Mr. Christor on Twitter. Dan? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Hamu, H A. Double M, double O. Cool. And we will catch you very soon, guys. And good night, everybody. Goodbye. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your stress. I mean the bare necessities or Mother Nature's recipes that bring the bare necessities of life. Wherever I wander, wherever I roam, I couldn't be found out my big home. The bees are buzzing in the tree to make some honey just for me. When you look under the rocks and plants and take a glance at the fancy ants, then maybe try a few. You eat ants? <laughs> you better believe it. And you're going to love the way they tickle. <laughs> Move me! Look out! The bare necessities of life will come to you. That's They'll come to you. Look. We will do after we catch up on some news. And after I just let my cat out of the room. <laughs> Before he digs up my carpet. Squeaky cat. Sorry, outtake. <laughs> no, that's fine. It's done and dusted. It's it's uh, it's it's a bit like of an animation sort of tradition. I, mm. sort of, I imagine you like Fred Flintstone picking up the saber tooth. Yeah, throwing like, him out, sucking out the window. <laughs> then he comes back in. Wilma. <laughs> oh yeah, and that that will that will um, actually kind of talking of Hanna Barbera. <laughs> At Bush Gardens Christmas Town, rekindle the spirit of holiday traditions for you and your family. Delight in the wonder of over 10 million twinkling lights. Cherish the moments as you enjoy new holiday shows and visit Santa and Rudolph. And immerse yourself in a world transformed by the season at the world's most beautiful theme park. The holidays shine brightest at Bush Gardens Christmas Town. Select dates through January 2nd. Right now, it's the best deal of the season. Save over 50% with tickets as low as $24.99. Restrictions apply.